0: My name is Ian Koss. What you're listening to is a series of songs and conversations about every marriage in my family that ended in divorce. Most of those stories end with some sense of relief. It may take three years to get there, or it may take 30 years. But once it's over, it feels pretty clear that this is for the best. This is how it should be but not every marriage in my family is so clear. Forever is a long time. Part four, my uncle Eric. Hello? Hey, Eric, it's Ian. Hey, Ian. How are you doing? Oh, well, you know good enough (laughs) good enough so is this still a good time to um to pick your brain a little bit
1: i um yeah no i was expecting your call um and, and i really i i don't have a lot of wisdom to offer but yeah we can we can bat it around a little bit if you want
0: my father's brother eric as you may recall is actually the reason my parents met in the first place and he has always been an important part of our lives. When we left Cape Cod and settled in western Massachusetts, Eric and his wife Debbie lived just a couple towns over from us. From my perspective, their lives had a kind of logic and stability that stood out in my family. While my parents were moving around from one house or apartment to another, changing jobs, going back to school, dating different people, Eric and Debbie were always there in that same house, on a little dead-end street where we used to ride over on our bicycles and sit on the front porch. They had adopted two children together, who they were both very committed to. They still found ways to pursue their passions, which for Eric was journalism and for Debbie was music. And on a very basic level, they just seemed to match. They liked hiking and listening to the radio. They both wore Birkenstocks and ate a lot of salad. They just... Made sense, like if any marriage was going to buck the trend, this was it.
1: And and one of the things that attracted me to Debbie was that she came from a from an intact family, really, you know. And, and
0: and what 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 was it that you were drawn to in that? Like it it just felt it felt comforting to have that just as a model for your own relationship.
1: Yeah, it made me feel more hopeful that that our that our marriage would would last and i think it lasted as long as it did in some ways through force of will but you know i i asked myself why did i marry debbie um when in retrospect it probably wasn't it 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 was it, it, it wasn't the right match for me i was wondering if
0: we could could we just sort of start at the beginning, and could you just tell me the story of how you guys how you guys met and, and wound up in a relationship in the first place?
1: Let's see. We're, you know, when when you when you ask me to start at the beginning, my mind always keeps going back and back and back. And back. <laughs> Starting um, the
0: Austro-Hungarian Empire at the dawn of the twentieth century. <laughs> that's
1: right. The Big Bang. Um, so we were. I was in my late twenties. And she was a musician doing children's performances. She did a uh, performance, and then there was a party afterwards. This is sort of an odd, uh, weird thing. <laughs> so, so, so she was talking to some other musician about, you know, calling her up and leaving a, a song on her on her answering machine, and she gave him her phone number, and I just memorized the phone number. And I decided, what the hell? I'll give her a call. So I called her up and I said, hi, you, you may not remember me, but I was at this party and I was wondering if you'd like to go out sometime. And she was kind of weirded out by that, you know, and, and said no. <laughs> Somewhat understandably. Somewhat understandably. And then like, a, I don't know, it was a year later or sometime later, I was actually at a, conf, at a concert at UMass and Debbie was at the concert and I noticed her in the audience. And then at the end, when we were walking out, I, I went up to her and I said, hi, you probably don't remember me, but I'm the guy who called you last year. <laughs> and she said, oh yeah. I said, "I said, do you mind if I call you again? And she said, no, you can call me. So I called her and we went out. And it, it was not, and, and this is why I say maybe, you know, it wasn't the match made in heaven. It wasn't a passionate love. It was more like, we're both in our early thirties. We both want to have kids. We're, you know, we're not getting any younger. We like each other, you know, but it wasn't like, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't like a Hollywood sizzling love story. Um,
0: Why did it feel important for you and Debbie to get married when you did? Like, what did that, um, that sort of commitment? What did that mean
1: to you? Right. I mean, at that point, we were living together, you know, as as co-parents, and, and right. it was okay. Um, I, I think it was just, um, I forget what it was. It was like my father and Janet came to visit.
0: This is my grandfather, Robert, the Harvard-educated lawyer he's talking about, and his third wife, Janet. Eric had a pretty difficult relationship with his father, and for whatever reason, during this visit, things got ugly.
1: I forget exactly what the circumstances was, but I, I I just remember feeling totally emotionally, like had the chair kicked out from under me, and um, it, was like a, it was like a moment that I kind of felt like I wanted the stability of, of being married, I guess. So it was really a,
0: a kind of, the decision to then make that lifetime commitment actually came more out of just a, a craving of stability, more so than any any change within the relationship itself.
1: I'd say that's fair to say, yeah.
2: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is the fact that, like, my family has a history of strong marriages something that made you feel, like Eric said, that made him feel better about marrying Debbie?
0: hmm
2: is that? Do you share that feeling?
0: Yes, I think I do. Hmm. I remember, you know, the first time I met your family. I went down to Maryland for the Fourth of July. Yeah, and it was really like a, a family thing. It was like the the most like proper introduction you could get to the whole clan. Um, and I do remember feeling like, wow, this is this is like a real family, you know? And I realized that, you know, the marriages in your family are not easy or perfect, but they do tend to last. And especially your parents. The more I got to know them and see them as, like, not just, you know, two compatible people, but really two people who... Had like found their partner and you know built their lives around that person and found like daily joy in that person and that was that's not something that was modeled for me at an early age you know mm-hmm. I didn't see that that definitely made an impression mm-hmm. on me how important does that feel to you like. I'm doing this whole thing making like a big deal about the fact that everyone in my family gets divorced. Did that? How important does it feel to you to have intact marriages to kind of look up to and learn from and maybe model your own relationship on?
2: Um, I mean, I guess that like the fact that my parents, I feel like do have a good marriage Um, I, I'm sure that made me more like confident that I could do that. Yeah. Or it just like gives you like a idea of what you want. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't do a lot of like dating around, (laughs) Like it's kind of unlike me. <laughs> to just be so sure in that decision without trying like lots of other things. That's true.
0: I mean, you're like the the queen of comparison shopping. <laughs> yeah, analysis, analysis paralysis. paralysis. Yeah, it is actually it's funny you mention that. It's very very unlikely you yeah.
2: I think about that a lot. Like, why did I why did that feel like I don't know.
0: I just wonder though if like the confidence to oh, to trust maybe. that instinct
2: yeah. To probably. know
0: that, like, this instinct, this thing I'm feeling, this is a good thing. This is what the people around me showed me to do. And it worked well for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. You want to keep listening? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you're, you're ultimately married for about 20 years. And I guess I'm wondering when did you first begin to think, nah, maybe this, Maybe this is going to end at some point.
1: You know, I think I have to answer that question through my own anxieties, just generalized anxieties in life. Yeah. And um, always kind of, you know, feeling a lot of times having a feeling like things are not the way I want them to be, but in a year or two or three, things are going to go in the. Right direction, Mm -hmm. and I I still feel that way in some ways. You know, and and, now now that I'm sort of approaching the end of life, it's uh, thinking, well, maybe it'll never actually, you know, the you know, this is just the way it's going to keep going until it doesn't go anymore. with Debbie and having the stability of having a house and a family and a purpose is that I was able to write for the Boston Globe and the New York Times and, you know, for the local papers. And, you know, that was my happy space, was getting my mind to the point that it was calm enough so that I could put together an article and take a little piece of the world and put it into a a sensible framework, you know, (laughs) There was a sense of stability that I felt in those years and, and, and I do think that we, we functioned well together on, on many levels but there wasn't like a, um, an intuitive bond between us that, that would keep us together through, through, through ad- added stresses and eventually it, it couldn't hold which I regret, you know, for my children's sake.
0: So much about a relationship is beyond our control, or only partially in our control. There are challenges with work and money, maybe pressure from children and extended family not to mention physical health, mental health, trauma, addiction. All of these forces run through my family, like they do through most families, I think. And I don't want to get into the specific stresses that existed in Eric and Debbie's lives, partly because it's personal, but partly because I'm not sure it really matters. Things happened, like they do, and they took a toll. Eric asked me at one point what I'd do if my career fell apart while Kelsey's took off, or what if she got sick and I had to take care of her. Would we pull together or fall apart? I wanted to answer with confidence that of course we'd stick it out, but at the same time, I don't think that you can really know how you'll respond to something until it happens. Was there a moment when it kind of became real, in in your mind that you know that you're actually going to go through with it and move out and legally dissolve the marriage?
1: Yeah, I mean Debbie, um, Debbie announced that she was that she wanted a divorce. Actually, she, she, we were doing couple counseling for quite a while, and um, she she was the one who first of articulated it that she wanted to get divorced. And I, um, <laughs> there, there was a romantic interest that I had at that point, And I decided to go with that instead sort of my response to Debbie wanting to get a divorce. And I, I don't know if you remember her, her name mm-hmm. was Aubyn. Do you remember Aubyn? Mm-hmm. So, um, I kind of said, well, okay, if you want to get divorced, I'll go off of Auburn. And then Auburn and I moved in together. And then I went into severe crisis living with Auburn. And it was more about my kids and desperately sort of missing that and not being able to figure out where I wanted to go. And, um, you know, that was a very tough you no, know, I, I, I just, I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't, um, I just couldn't do it. And I ended up moving in with Tom and Suzanne for a few months. Yeah. And then I moved in with, with Linda for a couple of months <laughs> and then I got in the, I got, i got, then I got a series of apartments until I ended up where I am now. Um, but.
0: Were you surprised by the impact it had on you?
1: I guess so. I mean, you don't you don't intentionally go to go to this <laughs> crisis. So I guess I I wasn't I was sort of expecting it to be more um, fulfilling, or or something, you know. Uh, maybe help me find inner peace more, um, and and it did the opposite.
0: I just keep thinking about what he said that he thought the divorce would be fulfilling somehow, that it would kind of open potential. How do you know that life without the relationship will actually be better than life with the relationship, however difficult it is?
2: You don't. You can't like weigh your relationship against every other possible future for yourself. I think you just have to take it for what it is and and consider that rather than consider the what-ifs and what could have been
0: I just I relate with Eric a lot, like where he says he imagines things being differently. maybe in a couple years, things would be a little bit more like this or that. I totally do that. There are all these things about my life that i I feel like I'm on the cusp of constantly. And never quite arriving at, and a certain I do what, yeah, like um, professionally in my work, our life, our home, our relationship. Like I'm always like, oh, wouldn't it be great to like spend some time abroad again? Maybe I'll make that album. I don't know. There, I I do this. I know I do this, and I just can't tell when how much of that is like forward looking and aspirational. And how much of that is just distracting from uh, from the great things I have right now. Haven't you ever wondered what if, an alternative could I be? If I have
2: married someone else? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not, not like a specific person. But, sure. But I feel like the thing is, it's like, if... No matter like how like stressed out I am by you or like mad at you I am like I know that if like you weren't in my life anymore, I would really miss you. Mm-hmm. I know that that my life would not be better, mm. no matter how mad I am at you i I still believe that you make my life better, like wanting to you know ending a marriage is not in this case like an aspiration or a goal it's a what if it's like you don't have something that you're Mm
1: -hmm. trying
2: to achieve by ending the marriage you're just like wondering what it would be like if you like lived in this alternate reality yeah right like i think that's the difference
0: Mm -hmm. and you feel like me in my in my weaker moments it's there's not actually something i want or something else i want i just like feel the need to squirm within whatever box I'm in just because I'm in it.
2: Sometimes. I think that's the what ifs. I think that's what the what ifs are.
0: Maybe I just need to check that instinct a little bit. Yeah. I try. I do that. I know. (laughs)
2: That's why you're still here. (laughs)
0: That's why I'm still here. (laughs) But what I try and remind myself of is that it's, it's easy to walk away, but you can't necessarily walk back. These days, Eric and Debbie actually see a lot of each other. They both provide child care for their granddaughter, Kaya, who is a total joy. And for Thanksgiving, we all still go over to that house they used to share on the dead-end street. It's just Debbie's house now. But Eric is always there, helping to set up folding chairs so everyone has a place to sit. It's weirdly normal. And for a few hours, it's like we inhabit an alternate universe. One in which they never divorced at all. I still think that universe could exist.
1: You know, there's all sorts of things that, that you know, life is full of surprises. Yeah. You know, and I think if you have a basic sense of like communicating, like you hear and are heard and are on the same page with your partner, it maximizes your chances of surviving the surprises.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um...
1: Anyway, it's 20 of 12, and Debbie's expecting me at 12 to, to relieve her of,
0: oh, right. of okay. Kaya. But wow.
1: if you want to continue this discussion, I'm, I'm always happy to talk with you about okay. anything you want to talk about.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: Okay. Thank you. Love you.
0: Love you, too.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: I sent Eric a draft of this episode so he could hear what parts I was using and how they were framed. He sent me back a really nice note. And in there, perhaps sensing my own lingering question, he said, unprompted, that he was glad that he and Debbie are no longer married. That it is for the best. In part five, the last of my aunts and uncles. The one who left her marriage and never looked back. The one who makes me wonder if I would just be better off alone.
3: for dinner that's when I told her that you and I were separating after a pause she said something polite I apologized for laying it all on her that night then we agreed to let our conversation drift apart I know it's better this way But I really thought that we learned from our parents' mistakes We took our time, gave each other space I still remember on that final night No one cried, no one put up a fight We just agreed to let our lives drift apart We let this happen.